Blog Talk Radio. Welcome aboard. My name is Tom Marquis El Presidente. For the next 90 minutes, I am the captain of this ship, and I will guide you to the murky world of sports. We're just going to go ahead and just dive right into it today, and we'll get right into our sponsors at the end of the at the end of this segment because we got we got a lot to talk about, and a lot to go over. Uh, but hey, this weekend the prodigal son returns. As you know, I'm talking about Tom Brady. Everybody's talking about Tom Brady. We also are going to be talking about Tom Brady a little bit back on, on in the show later. Uh, I know that Bill Belichick will be welcoming uh, Tom Brady back to the Gillette Stadium, but we'll see what kind of reception that he has. Standing by here in the Ballast Green Room is Rick Riggin. Uh, ironically, Green is up in Notre Dame for the big Cincinnati, Cincy, Notre Dame game. And then we're also going to be talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, before he heads out to Talladega as we are winding down the season of NASCAR. And Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NASCAR contributor, breaks down all the action from last week, uh, right uh, from last week down in Dallas. So I tell you what, stick around. It's about to get good. 917 <laughs> All right, let's get things going. Standing by in the green room up in uh, Notre Dame country. In, well, I think he's not quite in, in, in South Bend yet. But Rick Reagan, how are you, sir? Hey, pretty good, Tom. How you doing? Good, man. Looks like you're having a good time. We'll watch a little bit of your, your videos. Uh, video. I should have I should have video uh, put yeah. it on the show. I was gonna like, hey, maybe I should put this on the show, and then I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna put this on the show. <laughs> yeah, you know that's uh that's being a few hours at linebacker lounge, and then uh, walking down to CO Newt Rock me and getting motivated. You know, <laughs> uh, it looks like you're having a good time, and I tell you what, I saw that you stopped there at the other holy sanctuary down in Bloomington. It's always a good stop down there. As well, you know, you got to visit two churches. You got to visit two churches on a weekend like this: the back basketball church and the football church. 
that's absolutely right. And I, I love it up there. As you know, a couple of years ago, actually a couple of years ago this weekend was the first time I ever got to go to a Notre Dame home game. And it's an experience that you won't forget. But I will tell you what, if you do it for the first time, I should have heeded your advice. It's a marathon, not a race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we came up yesterday to knock out some uh-huh. of the stuff we wanted to do yesterday. So today we could just devote to the game and then uh, some adult beverages afterwards. <laughs> adult beverages. I love it. Had some of those last night myself at the ball game. <laughs> All right, we'll get, we're going to get into the Notre Dame game here in just a, a few minutes. Uh, but uh, in in a few moments, but let's certainly uh, talk about some of the big games on tap today. Obviously, college football game day is down in Georgia. What do we know about college? This should be a Notre Dame today. Come on, man. Come on. There are so many good games. You know, they picked that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game last week where uh-huh. I thought they should have picked A&M and uh, Arkansas last week <laughs> and then came to uh, this game this week, but, you know, it didn't work out. None of the college football shows are in town uh, this week at Notre Dame, you know, for this game. So, you know, the balance will just take over. Hey, we, we'll do it. <laughs> college game day at South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> you may have to take over. I am actually losing it. But number eight, Arkansas, and number two, Georgia. What are your thoughts on this game? Well, yeah, I'm I'm on the Arkansas bandwagon, man. I really like how they look this year in the SEC. That is a very physical offensive line. Great running game. Uh, but my thoughts on it are uh, they just do not have enough horses in the stable to uh, beat Georgia. I mean, they could compete, but they're not going to beat Georgia. That Georgia's defense is elite. It's the best defense in the country. Uh Arkansas does struggle a bit in the passing game. I mean, it's just being hidden by the fact that they can run the ball, you know, up and down the field. But uh, you're going to have to be able to do both really good against that Georgia defense. And I think Georgia's defense is the reason why Georgia will win the game today. Well, here's a little tidbit for what it's worth, a little stat for what it's worth. Game day will make its sixth all-time visit there in Athens, Georgia, for Saturday's matchup. The Bulldogs are 3-2 and all-time in those games, all of which were also against ranked teams. Georgia is 2-1 and one when it is the higher-ranked team as it is against the mm-hmm. Razorbacks. So if we use that logic, uh, and overall, this is Georgia's 27th time uh, with college uh, game day. We've gone 9-17. So. You know, I, I don't know what it is with like, history and trends, but you can't really use them this year in college football because this year has felt like it's just all just survive in advance. You know what I mean? It's like nothing has, like, gone the way you think it will go. And Notre Dame should not just be barely beating Florida State. You know? <laughs> but it's how everything has been working out this year for most teams. It's just been survive in advance. So, I mean, you could be on to something there. Just just could be a, a, a game Georgia just needs to survive. You know, so – it could be really close. I think it's going to be a close game. I can't remember what the spread is. I thought Georgia kind of had like a – I thought the spread was kind of big in this one. But I think Georgia gets it done. I didn't have it pulled up, so. <laughs> well, you know, certainly there's there's no shortage of, of big games. I, and obviously the game that you're at today. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, you know, blah! 
this is not my day to talk, brother. It is not my day to talk. <laughs> Arkansas versus number 12, old Mrs. Uh, number 12. Not ranked number 12, old Miss. What are your thoughts on that? So you're talking Alabama old Miss. You said Arkansas. <laughs> I did. Uh, <laughs> I'm firing myself, Rick. I am firing myself. So here's the uh, – if you want to go back and look at this game last year, uh, Alabama could not stop Ole Miss whatsoever last year. This is uh, – both teams scored up around 50 points in, in this game last year with Alabama winning. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that way this year, but i tell you what, Matt Corral, uh, Ole Miss quarterback, is probably the best – looking like the best quarterback in the country right now. He might be the Heisman front runner at this point. And he's going to have, to have a big game, but also Alabama's defense is really going to step up because Ole Miss offense with Lane Kiffin is really good. Uh, it, it, it's good. And this being, you said this is at Ole Miss? Hello? Are you there? Can you hear me, yeah. Rick? Yeah, I hear you just fine. So you said this is at Ole Miss? Oh, I lost my screen. Dude, it is one of those mornings, man. Um, let's, I think it's that old Let's just reboot. Welcome to The Balance. My name is Sal Marquisel, Presidente, for the next night. <laughs> yeah. Joining us now from Notre Dame, Indiana, is Rick Riggin. Oh, how's that? How's that for a, re- a reboot? Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been having this throat issue for the, the last couple of days, and it's the weather change. It's starting to manifest itself. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the weather's changing, but I think it's going to be in the mid 60s or 70s here in Indianapolis. Uh, but oh, last week was in the high 80s, and it was miserable. We had to replace the uh, AC unit. Man, what an ordeal that was. And to be in the house with three dogs, oh, my gosh, that was an experience. Let's go to uh, today, uh, go over to the Big Ten, uh, put on the khaki show, the Jim Harbaugh show, uh, Michigan at Wisconsin. Uh, Always a good matchup between these two. uh, But Michigan has somehow turned out to turn out to be somewhat of a sneaky good uh, football team this year. Jim Harbaugh must be on the hot seat there. Yeah, uh, Michigan this year has looked dominant to me uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And I think started thinking, like, Michigan just might run through this Big Ten schedule. And then last week they almost lost to Rutgers, which is crazy. Uh, today they play Wisconsin, you know, for selfish reasons. I want Wisconsin to win because that makes Notre Dame Street schedule look better, you know, down the road when it comes time to these playoff uh, picks and everything else. So, uh, plus, I just don't like Michigan. I do believe Michigan will win this game based on what I saw from Wisconsin last week. Uh, Graham Mertz cannot throw the ball. Uh, they have no passing game. He has no business being a quarterback uh, at, at in Division One at this level from what I saw last week. There is no way. Unless they bring in a, his backup, his backup can perform better. Uh, this is going to be another blowout. Wisconsin's going to be blown out again for the second week in a row. 
which is surprising to me with Wisconsin because, you know, when we started talking uh, college football at the, the, the beginning of the season and just talking about how dominant they were and, and really maybe <clears throat> early giving them the uh, Big Ten championship early, what do you think has been the biggest uh, downfall? Is, I, I mean, I can't. I can't find one particular thing that I would say, okay, yeah, there it is. That's what's happening with Wisconsin. That's what they've got to fix. What seems to be going going on up there in Madison, Wisconsin? Right now, it's just lack of offense. Uh, they're, they're so predictable because they've always been a great running team. They have great offensive lines. So you know they're going to, you know, pound the ball on the ground. Uh, but they – don't have anything at quarterback to surprise you and beat you over the top. If you have a good running game, you got to follow it up by being able to hit the deep balls because that's the whole reason why you have a good running game. It brings the linebackers and safeties up, and then you can beat them over the top, you know, in the deep passing game. So they don't have a quarterback, really. They, they, they lack offense. Uh, they have a great run defense. <clears throat> they still run the ball pretty well, even though they ran into Notre Dame last week and, Notre Dame defensive, uh, their front sevens actually turned out to be really good. But that's Wisconsin's problem right now. Uh, they let Jack Cohn go to Notre Dame. So maybe that's, mm-hmm. maybe that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, it just depends on the week with him, uh, uh, Rick. And I, 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 right. I shall go back and, and listen to some of the things you said a few weeks ago. I'm done with Cohn. <laughs> I am done with him. Well, he can't – here's what I'll say. I'm I'm still kind of like not all that impressed with him because when the pocket collapses around him and he just gets touched across the arm or something, it's an automatic sack. He just immediately goes down. Like he can't move. (laughs) It's like zero mobility with him, which I don't like because that doesn't help our offensive line whatsoever. You know, he doesn't get the ball out timely, and he can't move around the pocket. Well, you know, perfect segue. You're up in Notre Dame, or in Notre Dame, up in South Bend at Notre Dame. Today you're at the big game, Cincy Bearcats against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, my IU met the Bearcats a couple weeks ago, uh, and I tell you what, they are strong, they are good. Uh, this this game today is between, between Notre Dame and, and Cincinnati is really no normal game. Uh, between a group of five schools, and Notre Dame is <clears throat> it's a game between two top ten schools and no mistaking both teams belong. This is a playoff team game for both teams and should be treated as such, Rick. Yeah, exactly right. It's exactly a playoff game because the loser of this ain't making the ain't making the playoff this year. So it will be played like a playoff game. It's treated to be it's gonna be treated like one. It's gonna be extra loud at Notre Dame Stadium today. Uh, especially since Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati's quarterback, you know, what they were telling him, you know, how loud Notre Dame Stadium is. And he said, well, I'll make sure it's not loud for too long. You know, so that's going to pump some extra juice into the stadium today. Uh, for me, this is another tough game to pick, just be, just like last week, Wisconsin. Uh, I thought that was a tough game to pick, you know, even though Wisconsin was nearly a touchdown favorite. So uh, that he comes in a two-and-a-half-point favorite, you know, so it's almost a pick em game in a way. So it's almost 50-50 here. Uh, tough game to pick, but being at Notre Dame Stadium, I, I feel like Notre Dame just finds a way to get it done. 
Well, you know, most people expect this to be a low-scoring defensive battle, and, you know, they're probably right. Both teams have elite defensive lines and NFL-caliber players in their secondaries. Both teams have experienced and capable quarterbacks, but they're playing behind struggling offensive lines. The talent at running back struggles behind both of these offensive lines. Uh, Where's the compensation come from? Well, it's going to be Desmond Ritter and what he can do to shake off Kyle Hamilton because uh, uh, what Desmond Ritter can do against Notre Dame's defense, really. Uh, I would say that I think the numbers for uh, Cincinnati's defense are a little skewed because they they played IU, obviously, but they've also played Murray State. I can't remember their first opponent of the year, but it's also a Murray State-type caliber team. You know, so, of course, they're going to rack up great stats, gaudy stats against teams – teams like that, and then they hit against IU a couple weeks ago, and they struggled. You know, it was a ticky-tack call, I think a targeting penalty against IU that swayed the game, a kickoff return for a touchdown Cincinnati had against IU, and that was the difference in the game. So they actually didn't play that great against IU. I don't know if it was just Cincinnati being bad or not being as good as we think they are, or IU just played them tough. It might be a little bit of both. I don't know. But what Desmond Ritter can do with the uh, – because he's not an accurate passer. He is a dark horse candidate for Heisman, but he's not an accurate passer. He's a great runner. But Notre Dame's got that to worry about also. But what can he do against this Notre Dame defense, which has been uh, starting to play like uh, like their lights out? Well, in a lot of ways, if you say to Notre Dame, look in the mirror, what are you going to see? You're going to see this team here in a lot of ways – both programs mirror each other in, in their build. While simply playing different levels uh, within the FBS football, still it's led them both to this game, and it's going to be a battle for the Irish win. Cincinnati 34-6 since 2018 when Ritter took over as the quarterback. In that same period, Notre Dame 37-5. and With all that being said, there's a lot of great coaches and players involved in this game. <clears throat> because of that, there's going to be plenty, plenty to pick from and, and, and where it goes from here, I don't know. We're going to see what happens. I'm rooting for Notre Dame to win on the side, but there's a very good possibility that this could be a bad day, not in scoring-wise, but just in the win-loss column. For Notre Dame, do you? Well, I wouldn't expect for you to agree with me right now, but there's a part of you that might agree with me. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you're right. This could go either way, and it could be a bad day for Notre Dame. I just feel like being at Notre Dame Stadium and Notre Dame in a game like this, uh, they're they're going to find a way to get it done. Well, you know, do you think Ritter gets uh, sacked more than three times? Uh, yes, only because he's also a runner, and I think he'll take hits uh, trying to run the ball as a runner, but behind the line of scrimmage. So if you want to count them as sacks also, yes, he will He will take some hits. He will go down behind the line of scrimmage at least three times. It's not officially counted as a sack because once they take off running, they then become a running back and not a quarterback, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that really counts as a sack, but for me, it's a hit. You're down behind the line of scrimmage. And that's all I'm worried about. So. <laughs> well, say what you what you say what you will. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, coulda. But Cincinnati should have beaten Georgia in last year's Peach Bowl. They could have even without the left tackle of Jeff Houston, and they would if, if left tackle Jameson didn't get ejected. Uh, so you know Cincinnati's a tough team. They are. Uh, you know we got to move on to some other games. 
but this is a, a, a I mean, I, I don't know if we want to call it a rivalry just yet between Cincinnati and Notre Dame, but they certainly are two teams that are beginning to get to know each other. Uh, so any final thoughts on this game? Any final words of wisdom before we get to some of these other games? No, just good. We spent some time on it. We'll just consider this one the uh, balanced game of the week since uh, uh, nobody else in the country, as far as college football shows go, will <laughs> acknowledge this game as even being played today. So, <clears throat> But the balance, we're here to take it over for them. That's right. And, you know, I mean, who, who needs college game day when you got the balance? Come on. Come on. They're right. Adam Zivin yeah. can't join us. Adam Zivin can't join us today. He had something come up that he had to take care of. Uh, so it's just you and I, Rick, in the college football roundup, if you will. Rick Riggin, our college football extraordinaire and official prognosticator. I can't say any other word today, but I can say that. I don't, I don't know how that happens, but it, it did happen. So, <laughs> you know, let's, you know, typically we would, we would kind of talk Ohio State. We could still go ahead and talk Ohio State. Ohio State is at Rutgers. I mean, we, we say Rutgers like, okay, but there again, we just saw a situation with Michigan and Rutgers. I, am I saying yeah. the Rutgers is going to beat Ohio State? No, I'm saying it's just that game that's on the calendar. Uh, but certainly Ohio State's had their own struggles this year. Exactly right. And if it's the same Rutgers team that shows up and play against Michigan last week, then freaking watch out Ohio State. But uh, I, I can't see uh, – Rutgers beating Ohio State. I don't know. Something just seems weird about that. So I'm not saying it can't happen or won't happen today. It just feels weird to say that it could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Ohio State's still trying to find themselves this year. Uh, they don't really have an identity. You know, they're just coming in. The You know, Justin Fields left uh, for the NFL last season. So they're bringing in a new quarterback, and uh, they're trying to find themselves. And they're getting better and better every week. So, I think uh, Ohio State gets it together, wins by a couple scores today. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, no, no cons- uh, thought pattern that Ohio State's going to lose to Rutgers, but if they do, well, yeah. well, well. <laughs> they, hey, that'd that, be great, though. I, I mean, I don't know if it's chaos off. because, yeah, I don't know if it's, <laughs> it would be chaos because Ohio State already has a loss this year. So, I, I mean, I think they've already got about I mean, work. Yeah. I think we've already we maybe I, I don't maybe we're not yet to the point of saying Ohio State's not going to make it to the playoffs, but I'm going to go ahead and say Ohio State's not going to make it to the playoffs. And we'll talk about uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you here. It's going to be a tough hill to climb, really. <laughs> Whoever is the note taker of the world, put it down here. Rick Riggin agrees with Tom on the balance on college uh, on college talk on college football. Talk. It's like the third week in a row. It's third week in a row. You. You've had some comments here, and I and I agreed with you. You know, with you're normally, getting smart in your old age. That's, normally that's not what's our going thing. on. You're getting smart <laughs> in your old age. That's what's going on. <laughs> so well, was, you know, it was uh, UCLA and the LSU game. You pick UCLA, and I agreed, and UCLA won. There's something a couple weeks ago. There's something last, you know, last week. Now there's this today. I don't know. I I don't like it. I don't like that format. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we uh, talked about it uh, erroneously earlier, but we're going to talk about it now. <laughs> Alabama versus Ole Miss. Uh, I believe you're right. It is at, at Ole Miss, and let's talk about that game. And Mississippi is uh, is uh, versus Alabama. Uh, it, it, the spread is 14 uh, in the favor of Alabama, obviously. But what are your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, this was our uh, topic when we hit the reset button on the show a little bit ago. But uh, Matt Corral, <laughs> Ole Miss quarterback, I believe is the Heisman front runner right now. Best quarterback in college football so far. So, so far. It's not a strong quarterback class in college football this year. But he's the he's a less smelly turd. Actually, he's, like, really good. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, another close game like last year, probably another shootout. Last year was both teams had a school scored around 50 points. Bam ended up winning by like four or six points or something like that. Uh, I don't know what they do to stop Lane, that Lane Kiffin offense because uh, somehow Lane Kiffin was able to run the score up on Alabama last year. Bama just could not stop them whatsoever. Uh, I don't see it as being as high scoring today, but I still see it being a close game and uh, Bama pulling out the victory. Well, you're right. It's good. it's going to try to be one of those those shootouts. And the, the only way the only way Ole Miss even has a chance in this game is you know just try to outgun Alabama. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the biggest, I don't know the biggest, what you did to stop Bryce Young for Alabama. That's I, exactly I what I was going to say. Matt Corral is for <clears throat> he's Ole Miss, but yeah, Bryce Young, uh, Bryce Young's on the other side of the ball for Alabama. So I don't know what they do to stop him because he's he's an assassin. You know, he's Coming in as a freshman, uh, he's going to be a thorn in everybody's side in college football for the next three years. I mean, he's looking like an assassin in his young career. An assassin. <laughs> an assassin. <laughs> Sounds like you're playing your video games again, Rick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we always like to talk about chaos, and I don't know that we're going to have time for our Nevada football segment today, so we'll look at that here in just a second. You and I like to talk about chaos on on, on uh, this show, and you know, rooting for we root for college football chaos. And uh, there's some there's some matchups this month that 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 could be key in that chaos uh, scene. Uh, there is a notion that this college football season might be mirroring that famous chaotic one of 2007, but with the presumptive uh, playoff team. Clemson uh, crashing out of the, of the top five uh, and sustaining, you know, the two September losses. I hesitate to go that far, but I do think that, you know, I don't go that far because here's what's not going to happen. Or here's some things that I predict. We'll start with, with this one. There's no way in, you know where, way down if you're a bad person and, and you don't go to heaven, there's no way in hell Louisiana Moreau won't beat Nick Saban's Alabama. It, it, they won't beat them, I'm saying. Uh, so if they did right. beat them, that would be the chaos. So do you think that there's any chance that Louisiana Monroe will beat Alabama? No. Unless Bama Illinois doesn't show up. Like... Just... <laughs> okay, yeah. Let me just run through these scenarios. You tell me what you think. Illinois isn't likely to beat Ohio State or go to the Rose Bowl. Notre Dame won't go 3-9. and nine. Well, I bet not this year they won't, but <laughs> I went throw it out the window because 2016, they only won four games. <laughs> Hawaii won't be in a New Year's Six Bowl. <clears throat> yeah, also correct. There ain't no way. <laughs> LSU won't be in the national title game, although it'll, it'll, it could uh, close two triple – could win in two triple overtime games. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, they're not going to the title game this year. They're already out of it anyway. 
Kansas and Missouri won't play at all, much less play the game of the year. <laughs> right. <laughs> Melissa's gonna Melissa's gonna come crashing down on me for this. Tennessee just isn't good. Oh, <laughs> uh, so are we gonna have chaos? I mean, I guess we if we had all those scenarios, go to the reverse of what I put down. We'd have some chaos. Wouldn't you agree? Well, in a way, we're already starting to see it. Uh, it's just uh, early in the season, but Clemson already has two losses. So they're not going to play off this year. So every other year, besides this one, that would be, be chaotic, right? Now that it's, they've taken two losses in September, you know, we don't even we don't even talk about them anymore. So that's cool with me. Uh, let's get these uh, elite programs out of there. I like to see uh, – Bama take a fall, and, you know, Ohio State's already taken a loss this year, so the elite is going to be Bama and Georgia, and then uh, whoever else. Notre Dame runs the table. They're going to be in the playoff just by default because we're seeing all the other elite programs go down. There's Oregon out there. Uh, so we're already starting to see the chaos we're, uh, we've been looking for. Where would we be? What kind of chaos level would we would we be at? What's that? I'm sorry. What kind of chaos level are we looking for so that we can say that we're we've got some chaos? We love chaos. Uh, Bama. Yeah. Right now, uh, so if Arkansas beats Georgia today, does that put Georgia out of the playoff picture completely? I don't think so. So I think we're going to have to be something a little more than that. Uh, maybe Bama losing, you know, because Bama's going to have to. Uh, get in the SEC championship game and play against probably Georgia or Arkansas. Well, we won't play Arkansas, but probably play Georgia. We saw Bama a couple weeks ago struggle to beat Florida. Florida came back on them, almost almost beat them. Uh, so they're not immortal. So I think it is possible Ole Miss getting it done today. I just don't think it will happen. Rick Riggin calling us up in South Bend, Indiana for the Notre Dame-Cincinnati game. One real quick uh, final thing here before we get, let you go and we go into our racing uh, segment. It is... What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you, what you, what you talking about? It is our Nevada football segment. We, <laughs> we have one part of the show every week that we de- dedicate to the Nevada football and that started with the joke at the beginning of the season, but now it's become a thing. But now we really have something to talk about, Rick. Nevada goes to Boise at two and one, and Boise's at two and two. Nevada Wolfpack, bold prediction, beats Boise State Broncos today. I don't think they'll beat Boise State, but I think Carson Strong does have a good game. You know, I'm talking over 300 yards passing, some touchdowns, and, uh, all eyes would be on Carson Strong, that NFL draft coming up. So, Nevada football, we would if there was an inside joke a couple months ago, we wouldn't be keeping track of anybody. But now we're looking you're at absolutely. Carson Strong. So. You're absolutely <laughs> right about that. Well, enjoy your day up there uh, with uh, uh, the touchdown Jesus and everybody at, at, at Notre Dame Stadium. It's a great experience, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I, dare I ask your prediction for the game? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I think Notre Dame's going to win. Uh, they're Just being at Notre Dame, they're going to find a way to get it done. Well, we'll be watching, sir. You have yourself a good day. Where can people find your working masterpieces, sir? I'm on the Twitter, at Riggin underscore Rick. 
on the Twitter. All right, Rick, we'll talk with you soon. All right, have a good one. All right. Rick Reagan, our college football prognosticator, joins us to break down college football as we do every week. Right around the corner in the balance green room is Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. Getting ready to head to Dega as the playoffs wind down. We're going to have some good conversation about some uh, NASCAR action uh, coming up right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they... Support good causes. Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and okay. roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. I think I'm finally getting my voice back. That was a rough start to the show this morning. Rick Riggin, uh, our college football uh, prognosticator, joined us. Our Adam Jimmy and our co-pilot uh, for college football wasn't able to join us today. He had something coming up. But joining us now, uh, before all the action happens in Dega today, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Steve, how are you, sir? Are you ready for the big action today? Yeah, it should be interesting when the doubleheader uh, Xfinity and Trucks later on today in, in Talladega. And, you know, it's 
That track is big, it's mean, and it's nasty, and it can ruin your day real quick, especially this far into the playoffs as we start to really just kind of count this thing down. I tell you what, it has been an exciting season to watch uh, as things come together. Let's let's talk about Talladega. Like you, you you mentioned that it's mean, it's nasty. I mean, they made a movie about it for God's sake. I mean, Talladega is the I won't say it's the Daytona, but it's certainly up there, uh, and and it's certainly one of the top uh, race uh, tracks to go to as a fan. If you're on a bucket list and say, hey, I want to go to these NASCAR races, Talladega is always that. What makes Talladega so special? You know, Talladega over the years has just put on a lot of competitive racing, but not just that. You know, there's so many fans that come here because the party atmosphere that's not only in the infield, but in the campgrounds around the track is – you know, it, it becomes a city around here on a weekend that, you know, a, a little town of 60,000, 70,000 people uh, explode to, you know, a hundred and almost 200,000 people. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's kind of crazy to, to, to see that that goes on around here, but that's really just played a lot into it is that so many people, you know, want to come out and see the racing action that has occurred over the years. I guess some people are still, you know, trying to figure out whether this place is really haunted or not because of the old uh, – uh, uh, you know, stories of this thing being built on the Indian burial ground, and that's why there's so many wrecks out there. But, you know, there's just a combination of things as to why people come out here and want to see Talladega. And uh, it's just a big, massive facility that's totally, totally different than uh, Daytona. You know, one of the drivers that everybody's going to be watching this weekend is Kyle Larson, not only at Talladega the racetrack, but at the World of Outlaws. And he could be making some history uh, before the the uh, the Cup race. Uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, Kyle Larson and what's going on with him uh, with the the World of Outlaws? You know, Kyle has already has always been somebody that um, has uh, branched outside of NASCAR, and he really started on a lot of these dirt and sprint cars and things like that before as as he was coming up. And the more the the more he's gotten into NASCAR, the more then he's had a little bit you know more freedom to go and run some of these bigger races and things like that. But I think it really just kind of – if you look back to last year when he was uh, suspended from NASCAR for, for the, you know, for the incident that he had, I think mean, every other – every week, I think it was every week, every other week. I mean, we were talking about him every uh, on a yep. continual basis, and, and all we said was all he does is win, win, win. And it's like, oh, there he goes, winning again. And, yeah, I mean, he goes out to these events, and uh, it just shows that as a driver, he's uh, developed as a driver that is able to take on – um, you know, these big stock cars, and I mean, he just won, uh, you know, just, he, he's, he's just won here in the last two weeks, uh, when he was at Bristol, and, you know, it's just, you know, been, you know, he's been able to develop this, you know, this, this driving style that he's had, or he has now, um, on dirt over to some of the stuff that he does here in NASCAR. And I think a lot of times you take a look at him and you see him running up beside the wall, inches away from the wall, finding a groove up there that nobody else wants to play in. And uh, it seems to work. And I think it's really been helpful that he's gone back to those a lot more dirt races. And yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's got a chance this weekend to do it all over again and win before he comes to Talladega. And uh, we'll see whether that translates into uh, some kind of uh, driving uh, a style at Talladega that nobody else is looking for or nobody else has seen in the past. But yeah, I think uh, he's really, it's just been a big redemption for him over the last uh, year and 
plus um, to get back to where he is. And really, he's right there in the hunt that could potentially uh, go from suspension to NASCAR champion in a season. You know, and what a great feel-good story that is. I, I believe everybody deserves a second chance. And he's not shown me anything. And, you know, we can, we can bounce back and forth and banner back and forth of, of, of should it have happened or should it not have happened. Did NASCAR go too extreme? Did they not? Uh, but, you know, the, the, the thing is, the World Outlaw said, hey, we'll go ahead and give you another chance. But he did do everything that was required of him. And then he's come out and proven himself on the track. You can't ask for anything better than that. If you're looking to be a fan of a driver, there's there's the, the, the guy you, you'd want to be a fan of. And it was really exciting to see him here in Indianapolis as well. Well, we're going to get stuff started with the NASCAR Truck Series out in Talladega this afternoon. Ben Rose is on the pole with the Thor Sport Racing. Uh, then Todd Gillenad, Front Row Motorsports, Matt Crafton, Thor Road, uh, Thor Sport Racing, uh, Stuart Price, uh, Stuart Price, Omar Price and Racing, Austin Hill uh, with Hattatory Racing Enterprises, Carson Clark Carver uh, with Meats Motorsports. All round out the top six in the in the starting lineup today, beginning at one o'clock Eastern down there in Talladega. Uh, what are your thoughts in the truck race, sir? Yeah, I think you look back to last week where Thor Sport finished one, two, three, four out there as a company, and um, you know they've needed some real big turnarounds that they've um, they, since they've come back to Toyota. They they were with Ford for quite some time, and uh, they returned back to Toyota. And um, since then, it's, it, they've needed some of these bigger wins and some of these uh, feel-good stories for Thor Sport. And it looks like they're maybe starting to make that curve um, back into uh, being competitive week in and week out, and and, and being a defenders for the those wins at the end of the race and uh you know, I, I, you look you look at Ty Gillen, unfortunately for him, he was knocked out of the playoffs, but he, he is still out there, still grinding, still digging to do what he needs to do, um, you know, to, to catch another spot or two, you know, outside of the playoffs. And, you know, that that's critical, you know, that's for him uh, to go out there and be able to prove himself as to a driver, even though that he got knocked out and knocked down, he, he still can go out there and compete and, and get those top, um, top fives, top tens, and, and potentially go out there and be competitive for those wins because you know as uh, you know I'm sure that you know he, he's going to be looking for something else uh, at some point in his career and you know everybody's going to be looking back on this moment um, you got uh, Austin Hill I mean Austin Hill he's uh, been a competitor all season long Hattori Racing is just a shop that doesn't have that many people that come uh, and work for them maybe a half a dozen or a dozen people something like that on a given week you know they're a small operation but they when they come to the racetrack, they come to compete. So you know you have to watch out for him. Um, and, and Stuart Friesen, uh, you know he's a, he's another guy we talk about on Dart. Uh, he he does a lot of the stuff that Kyle Larson does, but just in um, late models and super late models and modifieds and things like that. And uh, he's done this for quite some time. And his wife also is a dirt driver. And you know the, the, he's he's a driver that um, he's finally started to again another driver that has started developing developing some of those skills that he's been learning over on dirt to racing some of these NASCAR tracks that we are around there. Because again, it, we see him do the same things that almost that um, Kyle Larson is doing and running up in those high grooves and running in places that most people would not run at and run in just because of the in, instability of these uh, race vehicles. But, uh, you know, I think we got a good crew up top and we'll, we'll see uh, how it all plays out at the end of the day. Cause um, you know, the guy is starting in 28, uh, could come out and sneak a win out, uh, depending on, you know, how things play out throughout the day. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to make sure that I let everybody know this. Uh, if you go to racer.com at around 1145, Robin Miller, uh, his celebration of life service starts at 1145, around, around 1 o'clock. And uh, Racer Magazine is going to be, uh, racer.com is going to be uh, streaming that live as we remember that we that Robin lost his life to cancer. Certainly one of the greatest uh, racing uh, journalists that I have ever came across, um, you know, so it's really a good time to, to take some time and pause and, and, you know, uh, certainly it'll be at, at IMS. So just, uh, make sure you take some time to do that. You know, it, you know, some of the things that we remember about him, you know, kid, let me tell you something. It's been a great ride, those sort of things. So, uh, uh, Robin Miller, uh, Celebration of Life today. If you want to watch it, uh, watch it live. Uh, go ahead there, uh, Steve. Did not mean to uh, dominate. I meant to put that at the top of the thing there. Uh, certainly, if you're if any other time, go to Speedway Digest. Don't necessarily need to go to Racer. <laughs> Does that put me back in good graces? <laughs> He's promoting another magazine on in, on my segment. No, I'm just kidding. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about the Xfinity series, uh, obviously happening uh, to this afternoon as well. Uh, Justin Allgaier is at, at the top in the poll there. Let's talk a little bit about the Xfinity series, how that's shaping up uh, for Talladega this afternoon around 4:30 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, the the Xfinity series is just you know sometimes uh, as we've seen at Bristol sometimes a better race than the Cup series in general, and, and I think that's happened over the last couple of weekends where we've seen a lot of really great racing in the Xfinity series and some great finishes that we've seen. Um, you know these these guys are are coming down to it also. I mean they 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 need to be able to to come through and uh, get some wins and uh, sorry I lost my train of thought. Here, uh, <laughs> you, got, uh, and, 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 you know, and just my mind went to Sorry about that. You've got Austin, you've got Austin Cindric and AJ Allmendinger that have been fighting all season long for the for the championship, and uh, you know AJ Allmendinger just a couple of weeks ago just eked out a um, regular season championship with um, you know just by matter of points because of uh, uh, how Austin Cindric finished, and I think this is indicative over the entire season where we've seen them battle back and forth and back and forth, and collectively they have about nine or ten wins between the two of them. Um, Justin Algar and Noah Gregson for JR Motorsports, I mean, they're coming up just shortly behind them, and Noah has a, you know, we, we go back to to him finally coming in uh, late in the season and being able to, to clinch himself into this uh, champion, uh, championship run along with the others, but really I think, you know, the class of the fields are going to continue to be um, uh, Austin Cedric and A.J. Allman to the Xfinity Series all the way through the end of the year. Well, you know, certainly calling, calling racing, uh, I, I, how do you spell that? K-A-U-L, colleague? Did, did I say that right? Colleague racing? Colleague racing. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, they – they're, them and their Ford cars, they have some teams to watch in Talladega today. And certainly, we know, I believe, Justin Allbanger. <laughs> I thought I could uh, continue talking today, uh, Steve, but for some reason, I, I can't. But uh, what, what, do we, what do we know about these guys? Colin Racing should be a very dominant uh, uh, force in the Xfinity. 
uh, race in Talladega today. Yeah, and they're really building a program. Uh, Matt Collig, that came over into the sport a couple of years ago and paired himself with the Richard Childress Racing and runs his operation out of a shop right there on the campus of Richard Childress Racing, uh, you know, has uh, continuously invested in uh, their team, their engineering, the cars, the drivers, and everybody. And, and uh, you know, he this year he put A.J. Allmendinger, uh, who had run a part-time schedule with him over the last couple of seasons, predominantly at some road courses and some uh, odds and ends tracks that he felt that uh, he would be competitive at. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger comes over, and um, they put him in a car permanently this year. And, I mean, we've seen that it's really um, paid off um, to – Put him in that car, and uh, you know he's he's uh, you know he's a team he's a team player that's been out there trying to help the the other drivers, uh, Jeb Jeb Burton and uh, um, Justin Haley out there for that organization too. So I mean they've got a they've got a deep field of people over there that they're working with, and you know uh, AJ is has really kind of uh, shaped that team this year, uh, especially you, you know he had been out of full time racing for. Uh, about a half a dozen seasons or something like that. And, uh, he, you know, he, he's been able to come in. I mean, we saw what he did in Indianapolis. He won um, uh, the road course for the Cup Series for Colleague Racing, who also fields a part-time Cup Series car. Um, and they'll have a full-time Cup Series car next year. Who the driver will be, we don't know yet. But, um, but you know, still, you know, that that's Colleague Racing being able to go out there and invest in drivers and invest in equipment and engineering and people uh, to make this happen. I mean, they've really become a competitive team. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So as we look at this, uh, you know, we hate to say, okay, it's a must win. But if there's one driver you could point to in the Xfinity Series, the must win today is who? Fill in the blank there. Oh, man, who? Uh, I can you think today, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm I'm just trying I'm just trying to think. Um, man, I would think it really has to be somebody like Harrison Burton, Brandon Jones, Myatt Snyder, uh, potentially Jeb Burton or Raleigh Herbst. And I know that's probably a list of people, but you know these are these are guys that are further down the list, or they've already they're pretty much closing in on they have no opportunity to to move on if they don't win so uh i think if you have to watch them and jeff burden has been a driver another college racing driver but he's also won uh on these super speedways in the past a bit due to a um uh rain delay or a rain shortened race but he still um has shown competitive speed so uh, again i think you have to look at those four or five drivers right around that cut line you know, we look at A.J. Allmendinger, has had a, we won't say perfect season, because I don't think anybody has a perfect season, but he's had a dang near perfect season, and he certainly earned his right to be where he's at now in the standings at number one, in the in the playoff standings. But, you know, how it's very easy to say, well, they're number one, they're going to win, everybody else just fall in line. But I don't think it's too much of a stretch in this particular scenario to say that this championship is A.J. Allmendinger's to lose. Yeah, I think it really is, and I mean, he's uh, I, again, he he has been a driver. Like I said, he's he's come back over to the Xfinity Series full time. He's been out of racing uh, full time for at least about a half dozen, maybe five seasons or something like that. 
And, uh, you know, we, we remember A.J. Allmendinger as a driver that uh, was in the Cup Series. And, you know, I, I hate to say this, but it was kind of a mediocre career outside of some of these road courses. But he's come back in the Xfinity Series, and some of these some of these tracks that he uh, was not, you know, didn't put on the best competitive uh, effort through – uh, his Cup Series career, um, he, he has uh, really come into his own, and I and we've seen that at these mile and halfs and short tracks and things like that. That that AJ Allmendinger, being an open wheel guy, has just you know really struggled that uh, a lot of times in his Cup Series career. And um, you know while while the Xfinity Series now goes to more, or even the Cup Series now goes to more. Um, uh, rovels or or road courses and things like that, which are really just in uh, AJ Allmendinger's wheelhouse. Um, he has still been a driver that has been able to be competitive and win on these mile and a half and short tracks and smaller tracks that uh, you know he he struggled at in the past. And uh, I think that's just a, just an effort of uh, just college racing as a whole. I think that's just AJ Allmendinger developing as a driver and everybody that's around him really putting on that competitive effort to to make sure that he has the best chances to win. And, and I mean, it's going to be a battle all the way down to the end. Like I said, uh, you know, AJ Allmendinger only won the regular season championship um, by just a matter of single digit points and that was because um, because of Austin Cindric having issues in, in the in the race and uh, you know this, these are the kind of points that uh, has really been crucial in the Xfinity series all season long between these two drivers and they've swapped the lead between the points uh, back and forth and back and forth all season long and even right now they're they're within striking distance of one another. So a bad day here in Talladega where somebody gets knocked out very, very early in the race could be potentially damaging to one of the two of those drivers. So they, you know, really have to be, uh, you know, coming into Talladega, you know, it's just they have to both be mindful of that and how close that point uh, battle really is in the Xfinity Series. And uh, I just think A.J. Allmendinger is um, – uh, we're going to have to continue to watch him. I know Austin Cindric is going to move over and uh, drive the number two car for Penske next year. But still, um, you know, AJ Allmendinger is uh, showing that he has a lot of uh, he has a, a, a lot of career left into him to be able to compete for these wins and potentially a championship by the end of this season. Steve Wilson, yeah, call us from down in Talladega, uh, the, uh, our official NASCAR contributor, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. You know, a little history about Talladega. It was the first race, cup race at Talladega was held in September, on September 14, 1969, and was won by Richard Brickhouse as the most series regulars set out due to safety concerns and worried that the tires provided would not withstand the high speeds. It was also originally named the Alabama International Speedway, uh, Talladega's 2.66-mile oval layout was Bill Francis' idea that came to life on the site near an abandoned former Navy training airport in 1969. A lot of history there in Talladega, and you touched on it just a few minutes ago, uh, you know, with, with the wrecks. Here's the thing about we know about Talladega. It's not a matter of when the big one happens, or if the big one happens. It's when the big one happens, and we and we and we joke about the one of the greatest movies, Talladega All Night. And I and I'm, I'm still going to scold you that you told me not too long ago, Steve, that you had not watched that movie. Now that we're up, up here at Talladega, have you had a chance to watch Talladega Nights? I still have not seen it. <laughs> Man. You know what? You could have lied, and you, you no, I'm just kidding with you. Uh, but yeah, great movie, funny movie, but but nonetheless, 
it, one of the scenes in there certainly features Will Ferrell being in a very big wreck. But what, more importantly, bringing it to, to, to this weekend, and it's going to happen with the trucks, it's going to happen with Xfinity, and it's going to happen uh, with uh, the, the Cup Series. No shortage, carnage, uh, shortage of carnage uh, this weekend. Certainly, we won't, won't hope nobody gets hurt. That's first and foremost. But knowing that is the case, knowing that we're in the playoffs, knowing that there are drivers who aren't in the playoffs but are also on the same team of teams that are in the, 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 drive, the playoffs, knowing that all these kinds of scenarios, what does a driver do to be competitive in the race? Even though they're not in the playoffs, they still want to make a good showing. They still want to win. They still want to do what they have to do to finish the season strong. And then you have a group of people that are in the playoffs that are playing for a championship. They have to do to play very uh, play race very competitive as well. You got to stay out of that big one. You got to stay away from it. But how? What are teams in the in the in the drivers meetings? What are being said to these drivers that say, "Hey, I'm in the championship. You know, let me bike," sort of thing. You know, just stay in your lane, sort of thing. Uh, if you're in the if you're in the driver meetings this weekend, what are you hearing, uh, Steve? Um, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it becomes just a high-speed game of chess. And, you know, there's so many drivers out there who are trying to run their own race between drivers that are uh, in the playoffs, drivers that are scrounging for a few points that are right outside of the playoffs, um, looking for a position, uh, you know, in that point standing because that's, you know, every position in the point standings is, is more money in their pocket at the end of the year in the points fund. Uh, and then you've got drivers that are out there that are um, trying to showcase themselves because, you know, we are coming down uh, to the end of the year, and some of these drivers may not have a ride for next year. So they're trying to show that they can compete and win and um, be competitive in race cars. So you've got all kinds of people out there that are uh, that are running their own race, and uh, really, you know, if if your drivers are talking to one another and saying, you know, uh, hey, look, you know, we all have to run our own race, but hey, let's let's not do anything that's going to damage somebody else. I mean, you know, do your best, but you know, don't try and do something basically stupid. Um, you know, let let's race. You know, let's go out there and race hard. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to it, we're all for ourselves at the end of the day, but, you know, we just, you know, just be my, everybody needs to be mindful of what you're, what you're racing for and why you're out here racing. And, um, none of us want to tear up race cars and none of us want, uh, a a ride to the infield care center. So let's, let's go out there and put on a clean competitive race and, uh, you know, give the fans a good race for the day. Well, Road One starts out with Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, followed by Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., Brad Kolaski, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, William Byron, uh, Alex Bowman, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Kurt, uh, B- uh, B- Kurt Busch, sorry, uh, Matt Dedebetto, Austin Dillon, uh, Chase Briscoe, Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wallace, Eric Almalala, I always have a problem with that. Ricky Steinhaus Jr., Michael McDowell, uh, Ross Chastain, and Chris Boucher all round out the 12 uh, starting rows. When we're talking about the big one, you know, this is going to happen in the middle. And uh, you've got to either get ahead and get, if you're coming from behind, you've got to get up and ahead and have a good race. But let's, uh, we're, we're running down on time a little bit. Give us a recap, uh, give us a, a preview, if you will of tomorrow's big race in Talladega, Steve. 
I think Denny Hamlin will do the same things that Denny Hamlin always does at these big super speedways, and no matter where he starts at, he goes to the back and falls to the back and rides for a good majority of the race until he sees, you know, some of these incidents take out some of these cars that he feels like he can go up there and race. That is unless he's out there leading, and then in which case he's going to stay out there and control the field the best that he can. We also have to watch out for Brad Keselowski because Brad Keselowski won here in the spring. He's got about a half a dozen wins here out here. Um, as the most active driver of anybody in in the series right now. So uh, he's going to be a threat that we're going to have to watch him uh, throughout the race. And uh, he's become, uh, or he is, a very good um, what we consider speedway, a uh, super speedway uh, racer. And I think he'll be very, very competitive. And that'll just be a good showing going on into 2022 when he moves over to Ross Fenway Racing. Steve, we appreciate you joining us. I know you've got a lot going on down there, Dega. Who is your bold prediction winner of today's Tal- and this weekend's race, uh, truck, Xfinity, and cup race, sir? Um, I think I'm going to go with Todd Gilligan. Todd Gillen in the uh, truck series, Jeb Burton in the Xfinity series, and Brad Keselowski in the cup series. I, I, I ask you I ask you this every week, I know, but I'm going to ask you again. Are you ready to proclaim a champion? No. Maybe next weekend. <laughs> Maybe next. Why don't I just ask you the week after the championship weekend? How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds perfect. <laughs> Steve, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? You can follow us on Twitter at Speedway Digest, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, buddy. You have a good race weekend. We'll be watching, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Talladega this weekend. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Thank you. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, great friend of the show, and our official NASCAR contributor, columnist from down in Talladega. Joining us next will be Ed Kratz. He's scheduled to come up next and be – He's our official NFL contributor, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Going to be talking about that big game last Monday against Dallas. Maybe it's not a game that we necessarily, that the Eagle fans necessarily want to remember. And then, of course, we're going to take our walk around the NFL as we go into week four uh, in the NFL. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. If you want to join in, feel free. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone Uptown Down Home American Kid. Growing up in little pink houses, making out on living room couches, blowing that smoke on Saturday night. A little messed up, but we're all alright. Baptist hey. Hey. church parking lot, trying not to get caught. Take her home and give her your jacket. Making it to second base for saying you went all the way Monday afternoon at practice. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
with over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go morning face, you get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks! Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow! They're hitting my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's Fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is masa lekwa pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they? Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. from South Bend, Indiana, Notre Dame. He's at the Notre Dame-Cincy game. Should be a good matchup. Uh, certainly breaking down that in our college football uh, matchups. And, of course, we talked about our Nevada football and uh, the Boise State game. So <laughs> uh, we'll go into that another time. But And then, uh, of course, uh, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, called us from Talladega. Big race down in Talladega. If you ain't first, you are last. Joining us now, who is first and last uh, in, in our minds, is uh, Ed Kraft, seat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, uh, and our official NFL contributor. How are you, sir? I'm good, Tom. So you're, you're saying Nevada has a football team? They, we, we, they do. <laughs> we, we, did a, we put our research team on it, and it turns out that they do have a football team. They play Boise State today, and it turns out they've got a – 
Well, really, an NFL caliber uh, quarterback, uh, Mr. Carson. I know, I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Carson Strong. Little... So we need is another quarterback named Carson in the NFL, huh? Exactly, exactly. Uh, but uh, no, we talked about this last week. But it's certainly, an inside joke between Rick and I at the beginning of the season, we started talking about started talking about Nevada football because of Carson, and he's like, nobody cares about, nobody watches Nevada football. So every week we got to throw in a segment of of, of uh, Nevada football. But let, let's uh, let's 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 talk about the Eagles. You got you were in Dallas. Great trip to Dallas. Looks like you had a great meal. Let's let's give it up to Jimmy for that. <laughs> Even if you're not a Dallas fan, he's got a great stadium and everything's big in Texas. And that looked like a really nice, good uh, piece of prime rib that you that you that you shared. And, and you know, hey. Believe me, I've been to a lot of media centers, and a lot of times it tastes like leftover TV dinners or things that have been sitting yeah. out all day. <laughs> it, that was quite yeah. the spread. It was quite the spread. And, you know, the amazing thing is, is they set up pregame that kind of big prime rib and all sorts of other, you know, delicious stuff. And then at halftime, they take that all out, and they bring in all new stuff. You know, they have wings. They have, you know, Whoa. some kind of, uh, yeah, just a whole completely new spread, which is just as good. Uh, and then post game, you know, you know, they, he, he's the only, uh, I believe he's the only owner. I've never been to another stadium, and I've been to most of them, if not all of them, um, that, that serves beer. You know, he's got a couple kegs on tap for the media. Uh, that, you know, as you continue working, you can have a beer or two and uh, kind of recharge. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I mean, listen, that guy. You know, say what you want about Jerry Jones, but. You know, he does know how to build a stadium. That stadium is fantastic. Um, oh, it is. And, I, uh, I, I, I will yeah. I will say that. that That is a primo. I don't know. We'll have to see how this Los Angeles Super Bowl stadium, that this mammoth thing that's out in Los Angeles uh, plays out. But, yeah, Jerry Jones does a, does a great job. You know the old saying, and I know there's women too, so we'll just include women. But the, the, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Well, the way to get a good story written about your team is through, is through their stomach. Prime rib and beer. Mm-hmm, that's true. The Dallas yeah, Cowboys and, and, are the know. greatest football team ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you speak the stadium. The media. And, you know, <laughs> it, well, it is a form of bribery, but, you know, you have to keep your – uh, objective lang- you know, glasses on, but, uh, you know, it certainly doesn't hurt to have a nice full stomach when you're settling into, uh, to work. So, uh, you know, uh, kudos for that. Now, you know, you mentioned stadiums. I'm going to be out in Vegas. The Eagles play out, uh, they play the Raiders uh-huh. in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. And I'm, my wife's coming with me. We're planning a nice little trip beforehand going out and I'm looking forward nice. to seeing that stadium, Allegiant stadium. I hear that's a real, a uh, fantastic place too. Of course, it opened last year, but nobody could see it because there was no fans allowed. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one too. Well, they, they took a gamble on it. Bum bum. Rimshot. Bum bum. Yeah. I'm sure there's right. slot machines inside it. You know, there's slot machines inside <laughs> everything out there. It wouldn't be Vegas if there wouldn't. I'd be surprised if there was. Right. Well, at the end of the day, you went to Dallas on a business trip. So did the Eagles. Talking about work. I mean, that was a struggle game. It was a, I won't say ugly game, but certainly the Cowboys were able to to pull out a pretty dominant win, 41-21, uh, over the Eagles at home. Certainly great appearance for the for the Cowboys at home. We're starting to see, uh, you know, I, I, I love the Eagles vicariously through you. I follow the Eagles, but I mean, strong start, great win over the Falcons, loss against the 49ers. 
loss against the Cowboys, and now you got the Chiefs coming up uh, who, you know, kind of had a, a bad loss last week. So they've got some things to prove. And, you know, um, I'm having a brain part. The coach uh, used to coach Andy the Reed. Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Andy, Andy Reid. sent to the hospital right after that game. Now, I don't know if you heard that or not. Um, but I guess he oh, was yeah. pretty sick. I, I was hearing things that he had a heart attack. I don't think that's what it was. But did you ever hear exactly what happened with him? Well, I, you know, I just I, I'd rather not say anything. You know, okay. Uh, okay. I, I've, I've heard I've heard some things. But you know, we talked to Andy this week. You know, he did a conference call with the. Eagles reporters, you know, he loves Philadelphia, spent 14 years here, really kind of launched his career, had an excellent run here in Philadelphia. But, you know, we talked to him and we asked him, of course, you know, you have to ask him, but he didn't want to really want to get into it. But, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard some, some things about it, but, you know, listen, it's a high stress job for, for Randy. He's been in it for, gosh, I mean, he, he's going to, he's probably going to win his hundredth game with the chiefs on Sunday against the Eagles. I don't, you know, I think it could be close, but I just think the chiefs are, they're on a two game losing streak, which is, really surprising but i think you know they're looking for a punching bag to kind of take out some frustration and i think the eagles kind of fit that bill unless they're able to run the ball you know they go to dallas tom and they run the ball they hand the ball to miles sanders twice in the whole game they ran with the running backs just three times nick sirianni's game plan and listen he's a green coach rookie play caller he's still trying to figure things out but he admitted his game plan was to go into dallas and try to get a shootout going and keep mm-hmm. pace with a with a high powered Cowboys offense. Now, that was the wrong strategy. It turns out, and if you yeah. asked me before the game, I would have said, "Listen, the best way to beat a high powered offense isn't to go touchdown for touchdown with them. You you want to keep them on the sideline. You want to be able to control the clock, run the ball, keep that offense on the parked on the sideline." So, I would expect with the Kansas City run defense that's ranked next to last in the NFL that the Eagles should run the ball. Now, you know, we'll see if Sirianni agrees on Sunday. Well, you know, I, I hope the Eagles can turn it around. I have not I, – I, at least you guys have won one, and we'll get into the Colts conversation here in just a minute. We're part of that very elite 0-3 club uh, that the Lions are part of, also part of the, the Ravens as well. Uh, so we'll get into that conversation in, in a moment. But I, I really hope for a good showing with the Eagles. Real quick, some game points uh, before we move on to some other uh, – Stuff here in the NFL. The the Chiefs are at the Eagles. Home game for you guys. It's going to be rough if the if the Chiefs lose two in a row. But it's even going to be worse if you guys end up losing three in a row. And I say you guys, I mean the Eagles. Yeah. Well, one of these teams is going to be on one of these teams is going to be on a three game losing streak because KC and the Eagles have both lost right. two in a row. So um, right. you know, one of these teams, and I don't see it being the Chiefs to be honest with you. Um, now, listen, the Eagles are going to honor LaShawn McCoy, their their franchise-leading mm-hmm. rusher, uh, at halftime. You know, uh, he, he played six years in Philly. He won a Super Bowl with Kansas City and Andy Reid. Of course, Reid was here when the Eagles drafted him in 2009. So, you know, there might be a little juice for that, you know. But, look, you know, that's kind of off-the-field stuff. That doesn't matter. It's going to matter what happens on the field. And the Eagles, to me, you know, this defense, you know, again, a first-year defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, wants to limit the X plays, those plays of 20-plus yards. And they've done a good job of that. But in Dallas, they just got bludgeoned with, the, you know, the 10- to 15-yard gains. You know, the Cowboys didn't try to force things deep because the Eagles were taking it away. So what did they do? They went underneath. They ran the heck out of the football. Uh, and the Eagles couldn't stop them. So they, it was like kind of like that, that leaking faucet in the back of your head that you hear – 
and you just can't stop it. You know, it was uh, it was just really painful to watch, to be honest. Uh, but you know, the Eagles were in it. Third quarter, they're they're down twenty seven fourteen with four minutes to go. In the third quarter, they get the football back and they throw it six times. Don't even try to run it. But you score a touchdown there. End of the third quarter, you're only down by six points. But, you know, they decided not to run the ball, and I think that really, really was a hard lesson for Sirianni to learn. So, Miles Sanders is one of their best weapons. They're running back, and they didn't use them. You want to see them use them against the Chiefs. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SA.com, and our official uh, NFL contributor. I don't know if you've heard the story, but there's a rumor. It's a rumor. No, it's far from a rumor. Tom Brady comes back. Uh, to New England, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's join the bandwagon. <laughs> Everybody's talking about it as they should. It's a big story. I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased here. I don't know if Peyton Manning got the kind of media reception that when he returned to Indianapolis, all of that was huge. Uh, but this is so big on so many levels. And we called the, the show today the return of the prodigal son. And Tom Brady Say what you want. I, as a Colts fan, you know, I, I, Tom Brady. But we're tired of regurgitating Tom Brady. But at the same time, we're, we're witnessing history. You know, there is the Michael Jordans of the world, and there's the Tom Brady's of the world. They're a very elite group of people. And Peyton Manning's in that group as well. We could name them, you know, in, in each sport, there is those group of people. And in the NFL, Tom Brady is that person. Comes back. Gillette Stadium in New England. I'm sure the fans are either going to boo him or love him. My guess is they're going to love him. What do you think Bill Belichick's response on the on the sideline is going to be when he watches his protege or his his upbringing, his development, his Frankenstein's monster, if you will, come out in 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 Tampa Bay and possibly possibly uh, break a NFL record uh, as far as the NFL passing yards. And that record was put in place right there at Gillette Stadium. Let's, that's a lot to wrap up. But what, what are your thoughts on Tom Brady returns to New England? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think that's all we heard about last Sunday night, I think, in that game was they just kept talking about this, and they uh-huh. probably overestimated made it my interest in, in, you know, Tom Brady returning to New England. But, uh, you know, I guess it is a story, it is a storyline for sure. But uh, and that's an interesting way to put it. Frankenstein's monster. I quite I hadn't quite heard Tom Brady and Bill Belichick referred to the, as the Frankenstein monster that Belichick produced. But I like it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Tampa is better. They have a better team. I, I mean, it's a good storyline, and it would be great if Bronkowski was playing too. His return to New England, but I think he's been listed as out. Uh, after taking he has, out in the ribs. and I've moved him off yeah, my fantasy so, lineup too. So, <laughs> okay, well that's good. Good, you're paying attention. No, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he, you know, he's gone. But you know, Brady against the New England, and I guess the fans will cheer him. They should cheer him. But you know, listen, maybe there'll be some booze too because this team, the Patriots, just isn't the same without him. Obviously, he missed yeah. the playoffs last year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. You know, it's funny how there was so much love for Mac Jones, especially, you know, in Vegas. I mean, I saw a line where they had the Patriots sitting at five and one after their first six games. And, you know, if I was a betting man, I probably would have taken that, you know, because I don't think that's going to happen. And it's not, they're one and two right now. I think they're going to go to one and three. Uh, You know, these rookie quarterbacks like Mac Jones have really, really struggled so far in the early going here. Uh, 
Um, and, and I just think Brady will, you know, as if he needs any more motivation in his game, I think he'll be even more motivated uh, to go in and, uh, you know, beat the pants off Belichick. You know, put it in perspective. Um, there was an interview that I saw with Mac Jones, and he grew up saying, okay, I want to be a quarterback just like none other than Tom Brady. Uh, and now he is wearing the sh- or he followed in the shoes, I should say, of, of Tom Brady. He's definitely not wearing his shoes yet. Do you think that that's going to have any kind of impact on him mentally in the game? Like, holy cow, this is happening. I am playing against Tom Brady, my childhood hero. And also put it in perspective how long Tom Brady's been in the league. And you got this young rookie. I mean, you you would think that it would somewhat play with his brain a little bit. But, hey, if if he's the quarterback of the future of New England, the best thing he can do for the fans is to go out there and win a game against Tom Brady at home. Well, you know, I think Tom Brady has been playing quarterback in the NFL longer than Mac Jones has been alive. I mean, I'd have to check True. the ages on that. But, I think you're uh, right yeah, that's that. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about it. Uh, and I think there'll be some of that. I think there'll be some of that, you know, that, that stars in your eyes factor for Mac Jones. But, you know, he's only human. You know, it would be hard not to think, oh, my gosh, my boyhood idol, here he is. I had posters of him on my wall, whatever. Um, <laughs> but you got to move past it. You know, once that game starts, you, you can't think like that. They're not going head-to-head. It's not like, you know, Tom Brady's a linebacker and, you know, Mac Jones right. has to find a way to, you know, throw the ball against him. I mean, they're, they're not going to be on the field at the same time. So he needs to really kind of bear bear down on what he needs to do to execute the game plan going in so they have a chance to win. Well, it's going to be a game to watch, and we'll, we're going to mark it down as a, a game uh, to watch. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about – let's talk about another quarterback situation. We've got Carson Wentz here in Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis fell into that 0-3 crowd. Uh, Carson, you know, seemed to be okay somewhat. Maybe he was kind of limping around. I think he, he was on light workout, light practice today. The last I've heard, he's starting tomorrow. The bigger story and the quarterback story here is there is that. But Miami Dolphins are starting Jacoby Brissett. Now, think about this in perspective. We're 0-3. We're going to Miami. And the starting quarterback is the quarterback that you let go and kind of the mix around and shake and bake that the Colts felt like was a good business decision for them. I kind of felt like there was potential for, for Jacoby do I think that he's a, a strong QB one and no, but he would have been a great backup to have if we could have kept him and figured out a way with Carson. And as we could go in all these different directions of the woulda, coulda, shouldas. But at the end of the day, the Colts face the Dolphins and Jacoby Brissett uh, leads the Dolphins. And if they win at home against the Colts and the Colts fall 0-4 to uh, Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins, there's just going to be some – well, at least in the local media, we're just going to lose our marbles, and hopefully that shakes up into the Colts organization because something isn't working right. Look at it. Let's look at the Colts and the Dolphins. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, well, listen. I guess that even if the Colts lose to the Dolphins, and I don't think they will, I think Indianapolis is going to win this game. But should they fall to zero and four, um, listen, you're not a quarter of the way through the season like you were last year and years before it would have been you know a quarter of the way with a 16 game schedule but you still have 13 games to play and the good news 
if you're the Colts, if you're 0-4, is your division isn't real good. You know, you have five winless teams in the NFL, and two of them are in your division. With the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 0-4, they're not going to do anything. Uh, you're still in this thing. You know, the Titans, I think, are 2-1, and one, and they're leading it. Um, so even at 0-4, with 13 games to play, there's time to turn this around. So it's not really a must-win game, but – I want, you know, it'd be really hard on the psyche to be sitting there. If you're a fan, Hey gosh, we're owing for my goodness. But you know, if you look at the bigger picture, it's not all that bleak. Um, it would be nice to get a win. And I think they will, you know, Jacoby Brissett kind of got thrown in, I guess was, I don't know if he started last week or if last week was when Tua got hurt. I guess he did start last week. Tua was ruled out prior to the game last week. Um, now this will be his second week starting, probably a little bit more comfortable. It's going to be a, a good test. But, you know, listen, Frank Reich knows uh, Jacoby Brissett. He knows his skill set. I think that will help. Uh, and I just mm-hmm. think that the, the Colts are probably the better team uh, roster-wise. You know, they're going to be missing some key guys. I think Quentin Nelson's still out. Yeah. Uh, Rock Yassin, your defensive back, the cornerback, he's out. Um, but – this to me is a winnable game for the Colts. I think they can go into Miami uh, and find a way to beat the, beat the Dolphins. I, I really do. Uh, but again, if they don't, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the season. No, but it sure is going to feel like it. I know. They got Carson Wentz listed as questionable. I hope he can play and get through things. You know, it would be nice if the Jets could beat the Titans and, and we win, and that would kind of help smooth things out a little bit. But let's face it, the Titans are on the road, <laughs> and they've got a, a beast by the name of Derrick Henry. You need a freaking semi-truck to stop him, and, they, and that may not even work. Uh, I mean, I, I have to admit, yeah. even though I'm a Colts fan, uh, he's an impressive running back to watch, and I watch the running back stats through fantasy football. I don't have him. But he is a mega beast, and you, if you're going to beat the Titans, you got to figure out a way to beat uh, Henry. Yeah, and, and the good news about that is the Titans are probably going to be without Julio Jones and AJ Brown in the passing game. Uh, Julio, so, I think for you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe AJ. So you know, you're minus two very good receivers there. So they're going to lean heavily on Henry, and you know, try to pick their spots to throw the ball, but. Uh, you know, they're playing the New York Jets, for crying out loud, who couldn't score a stinking <laughs> point last week. Uh, you know, so I, I wouldn't have a lot of faith in the Jets doing you any kind of solid this weekend. But, you know, who knows? Maybe, I mean, if you can force Henry to, you know, limit his damage, then, then maybe, you know, maybe the Jets steal one. I just don't see it. Colts are going to have to take care of their business down in Miami. Absolutely. Well, you know, the Lions. What a disappointing loss. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Rick was just livid, 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 livid. He thought he had this one, and he's like, well, we might both might be 0-3, but the Lions could definitely co- uh, crush the Colts at any time. Me and him were bantering back and forth on the text. Uh, the Lions go to the Bears. It's going to be a rainy day up there. I have a colleague who's a big Bears fan. He's like, oh, it's going to rain. It's going to be terrible. I was like, you know, it's the Lions. And she goes, and they only lost a one point to the Ravens last week. Valid point. The Ravens got smacked in the mouth, even if they did walk away with an ugly win against the Lions. So the Lions got a lot to, to, uh, to, to prove, but the Lions and the Bears up in Chicago, uh, what are your thoughts there? Um, 
was Rick arguing that the, the Lions are the best 0-3 football team in the NFL right now? Is that kind of his, his that's point? Just, that's, just, that's his logic, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very dubious <laughs> distinction to be the best 0-3 team in the league. But, you know, you, you take your little victories where you can get them, I guess. Um, yeah, well, listen, the Bears, gosh, I mean, could they look any worse on offense last week? Uh, you know, one net passing yard, what was it, 66 yards in offense? Like, goodness gracious. I mean, what – I thought Matt Nagy was a better offensive coach than this. Um, you know, I know their offensive line, you know, isn't very good. You know, you got Jason Peters doing his turnstile routine out there at left tackle. I've uh, seen it for the last few years in the here in Philadelphia when they kept bringing him back. I mean, he, he's really, you know, he should have retired a couple of years ago, but he keeps playing for, you know, reasons I won't say, but um, he's still out there at almost 40 years old. If he's not 40 years old yet, but, um, a clear liability out there uh, at left tackle, not doing that team any favors, but they're desperate. They have nobody else. So yeah, I think the lions, you know, listen, that, you know, if there's any such thing as a moral victory and you're Dan Campbell and you're saying, you know what, we had that game one, we just got beat on a very fluke 66 yard field goal. And as great as Justin Tucker is, I think if he kicks that ball 66 yards, you know, five times, he's, that might be the only time he makes it. I mean, you know, uh, but he made it and that hurt, but now the lions can say, well, listen, we, we played well enough to win. We just got beat on a fluky play. You know, let's go into Chicago and, and, and play the same way we did play with that sense of urgency. We're Owen three. It's the bears team. You know, nobody can look past if you're, if you're Owen three, like the lions, you can't look past any team. Uh, so, but you can, you can certainly say we, we match up well with this team. Let's go in and, and play like we did last week. And, you know, we'll be on the right side this time. You know, we won't lose on a lucky play. That's the only time we're going to lose on a lucky play this season. You know, that's the kind of the mindset you have to have. So uh, I think that I think the Lions finally get, you know, Dan Campbell and, uh, you know, in the winning column here, first NFL win as a head coach and they beat the bears. Well, there you go. We're, we're getting ready to lose our live feed. Stick around in the overtime. We got just a few more things to talk about. And if you're listening to the podcast, well, you're not even going to notice anything, but if you listen to the live feed, just hang on and be on the podcast here in just a few short minutes. I tell you, talking about my love for fantasy football, and I had my eye on this guy early, and and I didn't. I went ahead and, and didn't pick him up, and I, I've got uh, uh, Jalen Hurts and, and Dak, Dak Prescott in my as my quarterbacks. Okay, solid quarterbacks. Then I watched Justin Herbert just tear it apart last week. I'm starting to rethink. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to play in my mind. Do I want to give up any one of these guys for Justin Herbert? But here's the thing. I don't think there's any fantasy player going to give him up at this point. Is he one of the – we, we, we talk about Tom Brady, but is Justin Herbert the next Tom Brady? I don't know, but he certainly has a lot of good potential, and he's leading the Chargers right down the field. And, man, again, I know it was a, a win over the Chiefs, and we, we talked about that loss for the Chiefs. Uh, but, my gosh, the San Diego Chargers and Justin uh, – I'm still saying San Diego Chargers. How many years has it been in? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the Los uh, Angeles Chargers. I don't – right. I've got a mental block. I keep saying it, you know. Uh, but, uh, but what – and, you know, going back to last week's game, just I, I digress. I was thinking about this. You know, they, it, 
the Tennessee game last week, they honored the Houston Oilers, being the, the Houston Oilers. And there was a big playoff team, if you remember, that Frank Reich was the quarterback with the Buffalo Bills against the Houston Oilers. And I, 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 you wonder if they're like, oh, man, we don't want him on the sidelines there. But that's that, I digress. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. but as far as great quarterbacks, great young quarterbacks, we look at Justin Herbert as being one of those. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, he's putting up numbers, and he's the key to their offense, whereas – well, here's my – let me just say this first. My mental block with the Los Angeles Chargers is when I see them, you know, in the scoring lines or whatever, they're always listed as uh, LAC, and I always call them the Clippers because that's how they designate the <laughs> LA Clippers. Is LA like the Clippers. Oh, wait, it's Detroit. But, um, but anyway, I, you know, listen, the way De- the Cowboys use Dak Prescott, if you're looking for, you know, fantasy things here. Um, Jalen Hurts going against the Kansas City defense. It isn't very good. At least it hasn't been the last two weeks. But I'm thinking they're going to run the ball. Maybe that leads to him rushing the ball as well. He could be a good play. But the way the Cowboys are using Dak, which I think is smart, is they're using their play act. They're, they're using their run game very effectively with Tony Pollard now. And they, so they use a lot of play action stuff. They don't need Dak to throw for, you know, 300, 400 yards a game. I like the way they're managing him. And keeping him efficient with his completion percentage and he's only getting like 250 yards passing, but that's okay because they're doing picking up chunks on the ground uh, with that run game. But the chargers are so fully reliant on Herbert that I like him as a play. I don't even know who the chargers are playing this week, Tom, I got to be honest with you, but um, I like him as a play just because that offense goes as he goes. And you hope there's no emotional letdown from that win last week. And that he just keeps on, keeps on trucking and putting up the numbers. So, you know, I would be tempted to play Herbert this week if I was you. The Chargers play the Raiders on Monday night at home, by the way, halfway up. That's a tough one. Here, here's the That's thing. tough one. Two great teams in the NFL right now are in Los Angeles. A lot of people might argue that, that, that the Rams are the, the best team in the NFL. Uh, I think a lot of people have them even go in the Super Bowl. How, how Cool would that be to have a Super Bowl in your in your home in your home stadium? I, I don't. I mean, that's that's just a rarity that that that, that happens. But well, we know, saw it last year. We saw it last year with right. Tampa. You're so right. That would be I, two I, years in a row. I I've lost my mind. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. And One listen, game, next year it's in Arizona. The Super Bowl's in Arizona after this game in L.A. And look the way the Cardinals are trending. Oh Maybe goodness. they'll have a home game, too. So you could have three years in a row where, you know, you have your home team playing in your home stadium in the Super Bowl. But that's getting way ahead of ourselves. I think the Cardinals are number two in the power rankings of what I noticed earlier this week. One final game I want to talk with you about before we wrap it up and put a bow on it. What a great oh – my gosh, you talk about great football, whether or not you're a, a fan of either team. We saw a great football game. Sunday night, San Francisco 49ers at home against Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it, it was a comeback. It came down to was it was it the largest field goal in? I think it was close to one of the largest, maybe not. But no, I'm thinking of a different game. But the that uh, win for for Green Bay with one of the well now that that Adam Vinatieri's done, he probably is the oldest kicker in the league. Uh, you know, and I heard Adam, I heard Aaron talking in a post-game interview that that uh, uh, I forgot the kicker's name, but nonetheless, he uh, Mason Crosby, been, Mason, Mason Crosby, Jason Crosby, yeah. he's like, you know, he's, he's Mason, clutch. Mason. He's like, yeah, yeah, Nate, that's right. 
he's clutch. And he's like, you know, I've been riding next to him in buses and planes for 20 years almost. That tells you how long have they both been in the league and how that comes together. And just a complete setup. What were your thoughts if you were able to watch it? Uh, I know you were you had some things going on, but if you were able to watch that. But what a great game, the Packers and the 49ers. If you're a football fan and that didn't get you get you going, then I, I don't know. Maybe you're not a football fan. What, what were your thoughts on that? Maybe I'm just overreacting. Maybe I had just had too many beers and I just thought, man, this was a great game. <laughs> Where is that possibility? No, it was a great game. Absolutely. You know, it was, you know, the Packers had the lead throughout, uh, you know, very good game. And when, when uh, the 49ers scored, I think, was it a 20 yard pass or so to their fullback of all people, Kyle Buschek with 37 seconds left in the game. And and I was thinking, but that's just too much time. I'm sure half of America was thinking that's just way too much time for Aaron Rodgers to come back. And all you need is a field goal to win you know, uh, my money's on Rodgers to lead them back to a win here. And sure enough, he made a couple nice throws to Devontae Adams next to another in field goal range, and then they win the game. But I thought the 49ers, up until that touchdown pass, was they were they were playing it perfectly. You know, they're letting the time wind down. They're letting the, you know they're not using any timeouts. They still keep the running game in play, and then they throw that ball and they get down. And uh, you know, it's hard to fault Kyle Uzcheck for just trying his hardest to get in. You know, but if he goes down at the two yard line there, you let some more time tick off and you still have, I think two timeouts, you know, you call one, you know, and I know you want to take the lead, but you're playing Aaron Rodgers, man. This guy's like mm-hmm. captain comeback. One of the best, you know, after Brady, yeah. I mean, this guy's a hall of famer. He's first ballot hall of famer too much time. Um, you know, but I thought it was a very entertaining game, you know, extremely. So, I mean, I thought the Niners did some nice things. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, oh, yeah, surprisingly well. Uh, but, yeah, it was a great Sunday night game, and you hope, you know, Tom Brady and Mac Jones can give us a, a repeat Sunday night. Well, the company that I work for that pays the mortgage and all that stuff <laughs> is based out in San Francisco. Uh, it, it, we're spread out throughout. We always have a company-wide uh, Zoom team meeting, if you will, uh, on Monday mornings. And ironically, we call it the Monday Monday morning quarterback. And uh, our director came on the call. He goes, I think we're going to need to change the name of this meeting. <laughs> and it was like, you know, it, it, it's like, like, it was like noon with me, but it's like 8 o'clock or whatever in the morning there. And they're like, we haven't even had our coffee yet. Do we really have to relive this? Do we really have to rehash this? Isn't this a isn't this a weekly sales kickoff call? Do we really have to talk yeah. about the 49ers? Oh, but two weeks and every week prior to that, especially when it came to with the win over the Eagles. How about them 49ers? How about them 49ers? And then Monday's call, it was like, oh, guys, do we really have to talk about this? I've got a lot. You know, I've got client calls to do. Let's just get through this. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Fun so, time. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. We appreciate you joining us. As always, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Uh, you you uh you can hit me at on Twitter at Kratzy K R A C Z E. I put all my stuff there. You can go on my site at uh, EagleMaven dot com or SI dot com backslash NFL backslash Eagles, uh, and you can see my stuff there too. Well, you have a good weekend. You got the Chiefs at home. Hopefully it'll be a, a, a good opportunity to get a win and, and for the, uh, the Chiefs to fall two in a row is it, going to be a big news to talk about. So we'll see what happens, and we'll be yeah. following all your stuff, sir. Yep, go Colts. <laughs> yeah.
We need a win, buddy. <laughs> Touchdown, <laughs> Jesus. Out. Come our way. <laughs> yeah, right. Spread some love, baby. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk with you All soon. Right. See ya. See ya. Ed Kratz, beat writer, Philadelphia Eagles, FSI.com, our official NFL contributor. Well, that's going to wrap it up and put a bowl on it for us. Thank you, Rick Reagan, our official college football prognosticator, uh, calling us from up in South Bend, Indiana, where there's a big game, Notre Dame versus Cincy. Uh, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of uh, Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor, called us down from down in Vega, big race down in Talladega. Big, big, big race. And, uh, of course, a lot going on in the NFL, so we'll go into week four. Thank you, Ed Kratz. Beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. And thank you guys uh, for joining us. If you're listening to us here on the podcast, great. Just hit subscribe and like uh, and share it with all your friends and loved ones and even your enemies. That's fine. We'll, 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 bring, every, we'll bring the world together, uh, as, as Tom Brady's doing this weekend. <laughs> uh, but make sure you're following us on Twitter, at T-Balance, and on Facebook, uh, The Balance. And remember, we do it live every Saturday morning uh, from 9.30 to 11 right now. We will be getting back to two hours soon. So if you want to listen to us live, just tune in. Follow the link on our social media. But, you know, hey, there's always the podcast. So we appreciate you joining us. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.